Welcome to the Behind the Bliss podcast, where Mary Scott Mercer and Rachel Autry bring weekly conversations to encourage, inspire, storytell, and share. Each episode is designed for you to feel met in your mess and balanced in your bliss. Here's today's conversation. Hey friends, and thanks so much again for joining us on another episode of Behind the Bliss. This week, I am so excited to be interviewing my friend, Jonna. We met this summer at the guest ranch that my husband, Thomas, works at. She is in our kitchen for the summer and is absolutely killing it. We've shared a lot of really cool conversations about loving each other, loving and friendships and different kinds of relationships and what it looks like to reject rejection. I feel like I walked away so inspired by our conversations naturally we were having in friendship that I needed her to share this with you. Not only because it's a message everyone should know, because it's a message that isn't talked about quite enough. Here's the fun thing. She is from Australia, so yes, she has the most fun accent I can't wait for you to listen to. But she also shares about the things Australian culture has taught her that isn't necessarily true. And to be honest, I kind of feel like it's a part of American culture too. So we're excited to defeat some lies, reject rejection, and get on some encouragement. I can't wait to get started. Hey, G. Hi, Rachel. (laughs) I'm so excited to have you on the show. I think your voice will be a lot of fun for people to listen to. But I want to know how you got to America and why you came. I'd love to be able to share that story with people listening. Yeah, I I moved to America last year in August to study at Bethel Supernatural School of Ministry in Redding, California. And yeah, I've been wanting to come here since uh, back when I finished high school, so like 2011. And um, I finally made it out here, and it was just the best year of my life. Yeah. Okay, so anyone that doesn't know about Bethel Supernatural School of Ministry, tell us a little bit about what it is, what you learned there, like what's the goal of going, all of that. Yeah, so it's um, it's not like a normal um, college structure. It's more like a vocational study. Um, and you can study up to three years. You can do one, two, or three. Um, the first year is really focused on identity. So you go into school um, for three days a week. And you just learn from people like Bill Johnson, Chris Vallotton, as well as the BSSM staff and any special guests. And um, you learn all about identity and who God has made you to be and all of these um, incredible kingdom theology foundations that you can build on. And um, yeah, and you can also do AMTs where you can um, specialize on certain things you want to learn about, such as evangelism or um, loving yourself well. And it's all just things that are helping develop who you are as a person and as a follower of Jesus. Um, and then second and third year are more activation focus where you get um, get to go on ministry trips and minister to people. And, and in third year, you get to actually be mentored by a, um, a leader at Bethel, whether it's in the school or the church, and you get to then mentor first-year students or second-year students. So cool. Yeah. What's something you feel like you've been learning from all of it recently? Oh, um, first year was all about identity for me. And growing up in the church... I I knew about God and I knew about all the right and wrong things to do, quote unquote. But um, yeah, I just think that first year was really pivotal in learning who I am in God. And I guess even breaking away from some Australian cultural things that may not be totally healthy, but learning them in a kingdom way. That's so cool. Yeah. What do you feel like are some of those Australian cultures that you're learning here in America are probably cultural and not kingdom based? What do you feel like? Yeah. What are some of those? Um, one of those is tall poppy syndrome. 
it's something that's very iconic in what Australia. What is that? Tall poppy syndrome. Tall poppy syndrome. Oh, yes. Yeah. Okay. We talked about this. Yes. Yes. Share yeah. it. So tall poppy syndrome is basically where it's like picture a field of flowers, of poppies particularly. Oh. And um, if any flower grows taller than any of the others, then you get basically get cut down to be at the same level as everyone else. Yeah. So it's this kind of like false humility kind of based thinking where um, people just don't allow you to be anything great because in you being great, it then makes them feel like they are less than. Wow. And it's kind of the thought process that um, instead of everyone having access to 100%, um, 100% is available for everyone to share. So if you get 60, then I get 40 as opposed to I have 100 myself and I can then go up or down on that scale in how great or powerful I want to be. Right, which is such a lie. Yeah. Like everyone can have 100% because everyone's mission here is so completely different than somebody else's. Yeah. Yeah, and everyone you're supposed to reach or specific people in your life that get called for a reason or a season or a lifetime are brought to you, not always brought to somebody else. And it's neat to walk through that and realize that her or his success or accomplishment doesn't threaten yours. Yes, definitely. I think that's something that, and I think all Australians do this. Like some Australians are very good at are very good at empowering and championing people, but it's definitely um, just a cultural thing that people may do even without thinking. Mm-hmm. This kind of this. Oh yeah, like what you said. Um, if you do that, then that means I can't do it. Right. And it's like they're taking your seat at the table instead of saying, well, yeah, you're doing that, but mine is slightly different or we're both doing the same thing. But how good is that, that we can both do it well right? and we can both obey and listen to what God is calling us to do. Let's champion each other. Um, but that's something that Americans do well is that everyone thinks they can be great. Like everyone thinks <laughs> Make that, America great again. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Everyone's like, I can be great. You can be great. Let's all be great. And I think that's something that Australia can definitely learn from America, but then also I'm sure there are things America can learn from Australia. Right, yeah. So. yeah. so when you are back in Australia, what do you do? How do you spend your time? Tell us a little bit about life back there. Previously, before I moved to America, I was a waitress at a really great cafe and I loved it. Yeah. I just love hospitality. Yes. And I love, um, I was reading a book that you actually let me, Rachel, um, <laughs> but bread and wine is just about hospitality and what the table means, how it's not just a place of eating, but a place of meeting and being vulnerable over connection, over the table and over food. So I love cafes for that reason because I have had so many great conversations over coffee. And it's so neat. So just to give you all listeners background about me and G and how we met and how we became friends. So if you listen to one of the very first podcast episodes about me and my story, you know that I live in California, Northern California, in the summer times and my husband works for a guest ranch. So G works in a kitchen at this guest ranch, just doing all of the things and leading people, um, teaching them different, I would say, honestly, life skills through how they're working in the kitchen and excellence and discipline and all of that. Um, And so it's neat to know that, yeah, your heart is for hosting and to be Mm. able to give an experience to the guests that we have here at the ranch. And I think you do that really well. So I wanted to honor you in that. For sure. Is that something you'd want to do for forever? Or do you have, what's like your biggest dream right now? I think my biggest dream would be, um, God really put on my heart last year to write books and to, to speak and to teach and to live a life of vulnerability, um, to allow people into my process, to let them that it's a, to let them know that it's okay to be, um, 
vulnerable in their process, which is very right. much like what this podcast is about. Like I love, um, I love people knowing that where they're at is perfectly fine. Yes. Um, and not, not to stay there, but to actually give yourself grace for the process, grace for the journey and that, um, God can meet you in every minute of every day, wherever yes. you're at. And I just am really passionate about people coming into the fullness of who they are. So whatever that looks like, I'm not sure, but, um, I've had so many like prophetic words over my voice and over preaching and teaching and writing books and everything. So for the minute, I'm just doing BSSM yes. and then whatever happens after that, just going to say yes. Okay, I'm so interested in how you feel like you balanced between living life in Australia, but studying here and learning here in America, and how you keep friendships and what that's like. And we talked a little bit about this one-on-one, but I really want you to share it with people, is the difference between being loved and feeling loved, mm. and um, how you've had to balance that and kind of walk through a journey of all of that with yeah. splitting your locations. Um, living across the world from everyone that you've kind of built life with has really been quite hard. Um, everyone's lives keep moving on just as yours does. So um, you really have to make an effort to try and keep in contact via text or there's an app called Marco Polo, which is awesome for face-to-face communication, but over time difference. Um, so for me, it's been really just lowering my standards of how much we communicate because of the difficulty with time zones but then also recognizing my needs as well like and communicating them as well Mm -hmm. um being really honest and upfront and open and um all of this kind of realization kind of came to light in about november last year where i kind of hit this um crossroads where i have a huge fear of rejection or i've had I'd like to say that I've grown more in that, but I've had a huge fear of rejection. And my third year who was mentoring me just was explaining how she navigates friendships and everything. And I just finished this short, very short term relationship with a guy, but rejection was like at my front door, like banging to get in. And I had a choice to make of how to actually navigate, um, how I was going to navigate rejection in this instance to not let it affect me and right. friendships and everything. Because I'd spent so much of my life receiving rejection without really without really realizing and one of those ways was just not being communicative with my friends and letting them know where I was actually at and um one thing I was explaining to Rachel was that I instead of um allowing my friends to to meet me and love me where I was needed where I needed love um I would often put up these walls of Mm self-protection of like okay if you love me you're gonna have you're gonna have to prove to me that you love me and that means asking me five times how I'm doing if I'm not doing okay, (laughs) which is stupid in hindsight. (laughs) But in the moment, it was real. Like I remember sitting in my office. I worked with my friends. I was sitting in my office and I would be sulking at why my friends didn't know I was upset and didn't know where I was at and why they didn't come and ask me. And I would expect my friends to be mind readers. Mm. And um, then my friends would come in and they'd be like, hey, how you doing? And I'd be like, I'm fine. And then they'd ask me again, no, how are you? Like, you don't seem okay. I'm like, no, I'm fine. And then they'd be like, okay, well, we're going to get lunch. And I'm like, okay, bye. And would be so hurt and heartbroken Mm -hmm. that they didn't ask me three more times if I wasn't okay. Um, But then my third year told me as we're having this conversation at school, she just said, if I know someone's not okay and I ask them, um, like once, are you okay? And they say, yeah, they're fine. I actually let them go. 
Because she's like, you're powerful enough to share how you're feeling. And if you're my friend, I expect you and I trust that you would actually tell me if you're not okay. And my eyes opened and it brought me back to that moment with my friends in my office. And I realized, wow, I really didn't let my friends love me the way they wanted to love me. And I also remember this moment where I was in my friend's office crying. And she's like, gee, I don't know how else to say I love you. Like, I've told you so many times, I tried to show it to you, but it's just not getting through to you and I don't know what to do. Mm-hmm. And it just felt like this hopeless situation, but it was really because I was actually not letting them love me because I was actually rejecting myself before they rejected me. And my walls of self-protection, quote unquote, are actually walls of self-rejection where I wasn't letting them love me because I'm like, if you see me, you won't actually love me. Right. So now being long distance and now having that realization, I've learned to not see lack of communication as rejection and I'm seeing it more as a okay they love me and I know they do but they're just busy and life's okay right, yes whereas previously I'd be like they haven't messaged me in like a week right. and I'm a mess because they've now forgotten about me and right. they've moved on yes but now it's just like no they love me and I can trust that our foundation of our friendship is strong enough mm-hmm. and I'll do my best to keep in contact but if we miss each other it's going to be okay yes so that's been like a a really fun journey to learn. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What I feel like people and myself for the longest time didn't understand is that offense and not accepting love is actually a choice. Yes. Like I can choose to be offended with Thomas if he accidentally shuts the door too hard in my opinion. Yeah. And I can make up a story in my mind to be like, oh, he's so mad. He slammed the door. He's really upset with me. Why was he upset? Okay. Probably because I did this, this, and this. And in reality, That's totally the enemy creeping in and trying to steal the love that I could also give him in return. Mm. And so instead of saying it, having that perspective in life, instead having the other that says, wow, he just slammed the door hard. I wonder if that was on accident. Probably on accident. I know he loves me. I know Mm. he's had a great day. I know that I've served him well. And maybe if he was upset, like I can ask him. So he comes back through the door and I say, you know, hey, did you mean to slam the door? Like, did you mean to shut it hard? Are you upset? And for him to be like, oh my gosh, absolutely not. Or he could have come through the door and I could have said, why'd you slam the door? You know what I mean? And and it always like a posture of your heart and a position of how you're receiving it. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. And I think even something that Abby Stumble said once that it kind of like offended me a little bit because I'm like, how dare you say that? (laughs) But then when she said it, I'm like, actually, that's a really great way to live. But she said, I assume people love me until they say otherwise. Wow. Which is like a really, like a big statement to make. And as soon as you say it, you can be like, oh my gosh, that's so obnoxious and prideful. Mm -hmm. But it's like, no, I'm assuming people are powerful enough and brave enough to communicate when something's not okay. But I'm going to assume that they love me until they tell me that something's actually wrong. Yeah. And I think often we, living in a day and age where we we are seeking affirmation like Instagram oh my gosh I got 97 likes or I only got 50 um, we are all constantly searching for affirmation and love and when we don't receive it we feel like there's an absence of love when in reality right. it could just be a myriad of other reasons but I think we've become so used to receiving love in such overt ways that when that's taken away that we sometimes we, th- we assume people don't love us anymore mm-hmm. but I'm like no like I know they love me they just may have a busy day. They may be like, just pulled the door shut a little bit too hard today right. by accident. Maybe the wind pulled it shut. Yeah, like, like there's, there's so many reasons, but I think we have this constant like alert of like, oh my gosh, something is wrong with me and our insecurities in ourselves are so heightened that we assume people are seeing those but when in reality, they're probably having their own hard day Yes. or they're busy and they need to run out the door or 
they didn't give you a longest like they didn't give you a hug or they only just said hi I think sometimes we just need to trust that relationships and foundations and love mm-hmm. like they are firm with, yeah. with people that we can trust not with everyone but right. people that we can trust so, so what would you say if someone feels like they're stuck in the position of insecurity and they feel like they're stiff arming everyone that comes their way with love or that they're in a pit and they don't feel loved how would you say is the best way to get out of it like what practical insight would you give them to switch that mindset I think self-awareness is really key I think learning how you receive love and um, how you give love are really really vital Um, for me that was really pivotal in learning okay my love languages are quality time and physical touch and words and being overseas away from all your friends and family you're not going to get physical touch Quality time is really hard to master because it's a 17-hour time difference. Mm -hmm. And words of affirmation, if my friends don't reply, it's this really awkward, like, I'm not getting anything. And I said it to one of my friends at home. I'm like, you got to get, like, hear me. I know you love me, but my love languages are quality time, physical touch and words, and I'm not getting any. Right, yeah. (laughs) And it wasn't like I'm mad at you, but it was a realization of, oh, like, this is why... It may hurt a little bit more when they don't reply or this this might hurt a bit more when they we don't get a chance to chat yeah. but it's not because they don't love me it's because my love my love needs aren't being met mm-hmm. so i think firstly it's just self-awareness like whether that's um love languages the enneagram or whatever that is just like who am i and the five do... love languages just yes. real quick are yes. quality time physical touch words of affirmation gifts and acts of service yes okay great the five yours are quality time physical touch, physical touch and words words but the words need to match up with actions otherwise the words mean yes. nothing okay. that's something that i've learned about myself and me you all know what mine are you're shameless <laughs> okay yeah wait i'm gonna let you guess what do you're, you think mine are? you'd be physical touch no no your quality time for sure quality time quality time acts of service i love acts of service and words no you know what you gifts I love oh. gifts. <laughs> Buy me something, wrap it in a bow, and I will be your best friend forever. Oh my gosh. See, like, I love giving gifts, and I love receiving gifts, actually, but acts of service is probably one of my lowest ones, Yeah, which is where I think, like, even me and my dad, or my dad and I, we, dad would always give with acts of service, but they don't always mean that much to me. Right. So I have to try and learn to be like, dad is loving me right now. Right. By doing xyz for me right which is such a good point because i feel like oh wow i drove myself exhausted my first year of marriage because i love thomas how i wanted to be loved yes not how thomas wanted to be loved. yes or like even my friends like my friends back home it's like i wanted i love them through texting them when i think of them right yeah. but like if they're not words of affirmation forget about it you yeah. know and and so i think yes self-awareness knowing how you feel love but also thinking I want to know this person well enough to know how I can show them like, Hey, I love you. and I'm mm. choosing you. And I'm like fighting for a friendship. Definitely. Know? Okay. So self-awareness. Yeah. And I think it could be awkward as well. Sometimes being like, Hey, what are your love languages? Right. Like That's it sounds bold. like a really direct question. Yeah. And I've been asked that multiple times since being here at the ranch, but I think it's great to be like, Hey, you, this is me saying, I want to love you. Mm-hmm. How can I best love you? Yes. And I think that is so sweet when someone asks me, even if it feels awkward, um, I think what I used to believe as well, quick side note, was that if I told someone how to love me, then I was almost taking like the freedom away from Yeah, yeah. I almost felt like I was telling them what to do. Right. But instead I've got a new like um I've got a new um 
understanding of it where it's like when someone's asking me that they're not asking me so that I'm bullying them into doing something right. but they're asking me because they care mm-hmm. and they want to love me so like self-awareness is great I think just open communication is really vital um, I used to hate doing this because I felt like again if I tell someone how I'm feeling I'm then going to guilt them into loving me a certain way so if I told someone hey I'm feeling really lonely and they say well let's catch up I would then feel like they're doing it out of guilt instead of out of love mm-hmm. but that's not your responsibility how they love you and like their motive isn't your responsibility but if you're feeling lonely and a friend wants to hang out with you let them hang out with you yes. let them love you I think that's something that I've had to learn I would assume someone's motive um, and not trust that their motives are pure so I think open communication is so vital, Um, self-awareness. And also, I think the ultimate is making sure you're getting your needs met with God. Yes. Like. Preach it. (laughs) Yeah. I just, if there's something that you're like, I just, if you feel like you're constantly having a sap life off of people and there are seasons of that sometimes where you're like, I just am struggling and I need my friends to like come around me and guard me and love me. There are seasons, but I think that's a lifestyle. I think in the moments of like trauma and struggle and navigating some really heavy healing and deep healing, you might need friends more than you usually would to come and love you. And it might feel like they're giving more than you're giving. However, I think there are also, as a foundation, we need to go to God. Like, yeah, God can't give me physical touch, but here's a cool testimony. I was sitting there one day in a class, like an AMT at school, and I just like leant down. I'm like, God, I know that this would be a weird request, but I really just want like a hug from you right now. Now, no joke, the guy next to me, who's a really close friend, just in that instant put his arm on my back yes. and just started like scratching my back. Ugh. And I didn't say it out loud, it was in my head. And then um, he like just did it for a little bit, just kind of rubbed my back a little bit and then put his hand back. And the other girl on my left-hand side just turned to me and goes, I just feel like I need to give you a hug. <laughs> So, like, even that... I have goosebumps. Yeah. Like, even hearing about it again, I'm like, oh, just that thought of, like, God is so tender and so loving that even though he's not a physical being right here and now like Jesus, he can still meet you in physical touch and he can use people to love you in that way. But I think just asking, like, God, I just... I want to get my love needs met with you first and foremost because, like, I want to be a whole person Mm -hmm. in you before I need to go to someone else. But at the same time... We're meant to live in community. Mm-hmm. And I said to someone the other day, like, just like the physical body um, is created to heal itself, so is the spiritual body of Christ. We're all here to, like, heal and love each other into wholeness. I love that. Yeah. So I think wow. that's something that we're all, we're created to live in community. So let's firstly get our needs met with God, but let's also remember that we're all here to love each other, build each other up and Champion into wholeness. Each other. Yeah. yeah. Yes. And um, with that thinking, we had someone share the other morning at a morning devotional. Mm. She said it so well. She said, um, if the hand decides to not do its job that day, then like you won't get fed, Mm. like you won't get clothed. Yeah. You know, and and it's the same. It's like the foot says, "Uh uh-uh, not today. I don't feel it. Or they are rejecting the love that gives them the power and the energy to move forward in the way they're called. Like you'll never walk. You won't get out of bed. Literally. Yeah. And it's the same in our body of Christ. Like if I choose to not be the best Rachel that day because of my own selfish pride or my needs or the belief of I'm being rejected, Mm. then like someone else is suffering because they need Rachel that day. Yeah. Or gee, if you believe that, you know, same goes for you. Like if you believe that you're rejected or 
you're nervous for rejection, so you decide not to love someone, someone's missing out on G's love. Yeah. And so thinking of this bigger picture is like, it's not, yes, it's about us and we need our needs met by God. We need our needs met by um, friends and community, but really it's so that we can live in overflow so that we can do the same for someone else who needs it. Yeah. And like, and that's not to disregard the bad days, but like just not letting yourself sit in a slump. Mm -hmm. Like I, I think I lived like 23 years of just like rejection and there were like certain moments and certain pivotal I guess, situations in primary school and high school or elementary school, as you guys call it, <laughs> uh, elementary school and high school, where I really did encounter rejection. Like I had a group of people get a guy to pretend to like me as uh-uh. a joke in grade seven, like all this stuff. So like that, there were certain situations that made me believe I wasn't worth loving. Yes. But like it, there was a moment. So when, like I mentioned earlier, there was that very short term relationship that um, was starting and Honestly, in the first like week of leading up to when we're chatting, leading up to actually defining the relationship, I'd be up at like 2 a.m. every morning anxious that he was going to turn around and realize who the heck is this girl? I don't want to be with her. So I would be like anxious to the point that I couldn't sleep. And I was just, it was like a week of not sleeping. I had like three hours sleep, four hours sleep, and I was just exhausted. And I broke down one day and spoke to my third year, but... That very quickly came to an end just through him feeling like God wasn't saying yes to it. However, in the weeks after that, I had a choice. Did I want to grab rejection and receive it or did I want to actually break the cycle? And that was something that I had to make a deliberate decision to do. So um, God gave me a beautiful analogy um, and it was just incredible of the fact that our minds are like a garden Mm -hmm. and that um, he just said, your mind is a garden. You have a beautiful mind. I gave you that mind. But right now it's covered in weeds and I want to de-weed it so it can flourish. So one of the weeds in there was rejection. And it was this fear that just grappled me. I was like, you're not going to be loved. You're not going to be, you're not going to be, um, yeah, you're going to be rejected. Um, so I went through, I think, a three-month healing process of like, if I woke up at 2 a.m. anxious, I would literally verbally declare, I am accepted, not rejected. I am loved. I am seen. I am known. I am worth pursuing. And just like, loving myself into wholeness and reminding myself that no like this situation doesn't define me mm-hmm. and this this situation that could be seen as rejection actually is an opportunity for God's love to come rushing in and I'm going to let his love rush in and meet me here and I'm going to stop this cycle because I'm sick of living this way which is your responsibility yeah that was so cool you just took grip on it and you yeah said, not today not yeah. me no nope. choose someone else yeah. yeah gosh so good and a lot of that too is believing that identifying the lie yeah and like being strong enough and being so in tune with the lord's voice that you know when it's not his yeah and um i remember when i was eight and i said something so random i don't even know what i said but i remember my mom looking at me with these really concerned eyes and asked who told you that wow who who told you that where did you hear that and sometimes and she asked me that and several other people in my life have asked me that in moments where i'm declaring lies over myself some of the times I've heard it from a physical person. Mm. Like I've heard it from someone who's told me that and it takes me through a process of forgiving them and choosing to love them even though that I didn't feel loved by them mm. and what they said and what they declared over my life. But a lot of times, and I would even say most times, no one told me that. Yeah. I had made it up or I had believed it from 
something else, like a different spirit that is not of me and is not of who I walk with that told me this and try to convince me of it. <laughs> In those moments, renouncing the lie, renouncing the lie and declaring truth and yeah. saying, nope, I am accepted, not rejected. I love that. Yeah. I would even say write it down. Yeah. Like for me, I had some stuff on my mirror. So when I looked in my mirror and I was nervous about the day or anxious, like as I brushed my teeth, mm. I was able to see these words yeah. and remind me. Yeah. And I had phone reminders go off every hour. Amazing. Like, <laughs> I love that idea. I'm accepted. I am loved. I'm chosen. And it wasn't like when we set normal everyday reminders, we kind of, it becomes a, oh yeah, cool. My phone's going off. And we kind of disregard it and click done. Mm. But I remember sitting in school and my phone would buzz and it'd be like, I'm accepted. And I would actually stop. I would like stop even listening to this like the talks at school and just settle and say in my like to myself I am accepted mm-hmm. and actually receiving it and not just letting it be like empty words but letting it be like deliberate I'm choosing right now to remind myself that I am accepted and I think it I did it for I think a couple of months and then after a while I just it started becoming like a routine where I didn't really pay much attention so I deleted it but in the moments where I am struggling with identity or I am struggling with rejection. I just have to stop and center myself and go, okay, God, like, who do you say that I am? Yes. And it's so simple. Like, and that song, even by Hillsong, like, I am who you say that I am. Like, I am chosen, not forsaken. Like, that song is like Declaration City. What is the song's name? Do you remember? Who You Say I Am? Who You Say I Am. By Hillsong. We'll link that in the show notes. Yeah. (laughs) So good. And it's on the new album and it's just Declaration, like the entire song. And- and knowing sometimes, too, that you might need to pull someone else in your situation and say, I need you to say this out loud with me. Yeah. I need you to help me to clear this over my life. Yeah. Yeah. And bigger picture, when I think about rejection, it leads me, and I feel like the Lord just kind of spoke to me and was like, if you believe that you're rejected, you're telling me that what I did for you on the cross wasn't good enough. Mm, dang. Dang. <laughs> He's saying, I literally went oh. to the cross, died for you, bled, was tortured, spit yeah. on, and rejected by people. So yeah. you didn't have to feel this way. Totally. So are you going to choose to feel this way, even what I did? Because then if so, you're the one spitting in my face. Yeah. And as I even listened to a, a sermon by Graham Cook recently. He had a really, really like, rejection-based upbringing like his dad hated him all this stuff but he even shared a story of similar to that where he would then pick up some of the old stuff like the anger the shame the rejection all this stuff and Jesus came to him in a dream and was like I want my stuff back oh wow like I want my stuff back and Graham's like what are you talking about what stuff did I take from you and um he's like I want my stuff back and Jesus was getting really like almost mad like righteously mad like I want my stuff back and then Graham's like, what? And Jesus is like, your anger, your shame, your rejection. I want it back. I paid for it, so give it back to me. Right. And I was like, what? Amazing. Like, just Amazing. This, like, when we, like, carry that rejection and that shame, it's us saying, like, well, God, I know you died for me on the cross, but I'm just going to take it back and carry it, for my, like, for myself for a yeah. second. Yeah. And Jesus is like, well, no, I paid for it, so it doesn't belong to you anymore. Mm-hmm. Like, give it back to me and let me give you, like, Take back from me what I actually gave you, which is life, Amazing. which is love, which is like hope and it's grace. Like all the things that we think we don't deserve and we carry rejection and shame like we like it belongs to us, but it doesn't. What ways recently have you felt loved? Hmm. I have like... Besides the, besides the five love languages, like yeah. specific testimonies, because I do believe that when a testimony is spoken, it brings up another testimony. Totally. Yeah. yeah. And it's a prophecy of what God can do again. And yeah. I um, 
I think I just felt so loved, um, like, in the smallest of things. But usually I'm not a gifts person. Like, I love receiving gifts um, when they're thought through. But I have struggled to receive. It's been a lifelong thing of, like, I don't want to receive this because then I feel like I owe you something. <laughs> right. Um, but, like, this summer has been, like, a, a summer of receiving gifts. Like, people just buying me things that I've said out loud. Like, oh, I love those shoes. They're awesome. I'd love a pair for myself. And that's all I say and I walk out. And then literally a week later, there's a box waiting for me at the office and they're a pair of shoes. Like the pair that I said, I want a pair. So cool. Just things like that where I'm like, are you serious? Like I just said it out loud because I just said it. Yeah. I wasn't expecting anything. It wasn't a hint. And it was like, no, people love me enough to be like, well, I want to give you what you want. So like right. I want to buy this for you. And then I also went to Reading on the weekend and a friend lent me her car and then um, someone left me an envelope in the car with just some spending money. They're like, go love yourself. Wow. And like, even though I need money for other things, they were like, no, I want you to spend this money on loving yourself Get and free. money on you. Yes. And I'm like, oh, I just started crying. <laughs> <laughs> Driving oh. down, just those moments of like, oh, like, I think that's been a real testament to God's grace and like, well, God's grace and his um, just teaching me how to receive. Because yeah. previously I would have, like it's almost, um, Chris Valentin, I think, shared a story and a testimony where he got given a really big check from someone. Mm-hmm. And then once he received it, he felt like he owed them something, so he avoided them. And if it was this awkward, like, I know you gave me money, but now I feel like I owe you something, so I don't know how to talk to you. Mm-hmm. And it's just so testament to how you see yourself. If you see yourself as someone worthy of receiving, right. then it's easy to receive. And it doesn't, like, of course you want to give back, but it's not like this, oh my gosh, now I obligation. owe them something. Right. It's an overflow, not obligation. Yeah, it's like, right. a, well, I want to give to you, but honestly, I'm in a season where I can't give extravagant gifts, so how else can I give? Like, And it's learning to be creative yeah. in loving others, but I think there are just some really small ways that I've received love from people. I'm like, what are you doing? Like, why are you giving me this? This is like extravagant to me, like a pair of shoes. Right. But... um. So tell, really them, tell them what kind of shoes. They're like Van High Tops. And they're sweet. I love Ooh, them. Kill them. But honestly, here's a cool testimony, actually, of God loving me through gifts. Uh-huh. And it's always around shoes, weirdly. But um, He's about to take you somewhere. Yeah. He's take you on a new journey. Yes, he is. <laughs> um, but no, before I left for um, BSSM, it was the Christmas when I was about to finish up my job. And I had literally walked into a shoe store, I reckon, like, five times at least and I'd always go in and try and look at a pair of white sneakers like they were all the rage at the time mm-hmm. and I wanted a pair of like Adidas superstars or just something that was cool white sneakers Adidas Adidas or Adidas <laughs> I'm sorry I love it <laughs> Adidas that is culture I yeah okay so keep going. many pronunciations anyway um I walked in so many times and I wanted these pair of shoes anyway it's Christmas time and my friend comes up to me and gives me a gift and it's the shape of a shoebox. I'm like, oh, cool. Like, maybe she just used the shoebox to create, like, a, I don't know, a nice shape. And then I open it, and it's this pair of white Nike leather sneakers. And I just cried. And I felt at that moment God said, I don't just want to provide your needs. I want to provide your wants as well. Right. And just God, like, using people and loving me and speaking to me. And he's like, no, like, you're worth it. And then I got these shoes. Same thing. Like, I want to provide your wants as well. And this whole summer has been things I haven't needed. Mm-hmm. But God just loving me through people and people loving me and being like, we want to give, we want to bless you and love you and give you what you want, not just what you need. Amazing. And that's just been so, like, overwhelming. 
it's so neat. Lord's like, I hear you and I see you. And actually I know you before you know what you need. Yeah. And, um, I have a really cool story like that since we're just, you know, speaking testimonies. Yeah. Speaking things into existence. Hello. Shoes and more shoes. Shoes and more shoes. (laughs) Shoes for you and you. (laughs) Like Oprah giving out shoes everywhere. Um, but I, I was here at the ranch about four years ago when I was on volunteer staff, Mm. like volunteer crew, whatever they want to call it. And I was on program, so I worked on ropes courses, and we were getting prepared to do what's called a 24-hour solo. Mm. So the ranch, during orientation, before the guests get here, they really want to settle the minds of the crew and make sure that they're centered. So they send you out on a 24-hour solo. We were about to go, and um, I had my phone, but I didn't have service here at the time, and so I didn't have access to any of my music. Mm. And I really wanted music. So I knew that if I got a worship CD or something like that, I could add it to my iTunes, get the iTunes onto my phone, you know, the drill, like get the music. This was four years ago. Right. (laughs) Before Spotify. Right. Right. (laughs) So I prayed. I was like, this sounds so silly, Lord. And this was really before I found, I was walking with the Lord, but didn't know what freedom looked like. Freedom in our relationship to communicate. Like it was almost, I was, my heart was at a point of how dare you ask him for what you want. You've already got everything, you know? But I was like, no, I I really have this feeling he wants to meet me here. So I prayed and I was like, Lord, uh, Hi. I was like, I "I really would love a worship CD. Like, you know, that has to be a part of your will. Like, it's worship. You know, like, I really want. Try convincing. Right. Yes, convincing him. And he was like, oh, it's so simple. He's like, I would love to give you a worship CD. So I wrote it down in my journal. I remember writing down the date. And I was writing it down because I wanted to be able to show someone, like, when it happened of, hey, look, I wrote this down three days ago. Like, it's not me making this up. Totally. So I wrote it down in my journal. Um, literally two days later, we're in the middle of training at a ropes course and this girl walks up with a box and she says, I feel like I need to give this box away and I feel like you need to receive it. And I said, okay, again, with receiving. And so I said, okay. And I took the box and I opened it and it was some candy and some fun, like little cute notepads. And then there's a a CD and it literally said worship. (laughs) (laughs) And it was so cool. And it just brought to me like, yes, the first cool thing I learned was he so wants to meet me in what I desire. Totally. In fact, he created the desire. Yeah. Two, what I learned, this is kind of like creepy, really cool, is that the box was sent the day before I prayed. Wow. Meaning that God knows what you want before oh, so you good. even do. Yeah. And so, and he's preparing it for a time for when you ask for it. Mm. And so I'm like, well, how many other gifts do I have waiting until I asked for them? Yeah. And it just brought my attention to this whole, like, you know, the analogy of Christmas of you have all these gifts under the tree with your name on it and you know it's yours. Um, And it might be, you know, December 23rd and Mm. it's not quite time to open them yet. The time hasn't come. And sometimes you don't know if the time has come. Like maybe it's for a day after Christmas or whatever. Like you don't know when it's your time to open it, but you know it's your gift. Yeah. And, And once you do open it, who are we to say, oh, actually, like, I don't want this or I don't think I'm worthy of it and to give it back to them. Yeah. Because all my mom and my dad wanted when I was little and opening up presents was to just see me so excited and thrilled and to go and ride the bike I just got. Yeah. Not to sit there and think like, I don't deserve this bicycle. How heartbroken would they be for going out of their way to get me something I didn't deserve probably. Yeah. But they didn't earn. (laughs) Or didn't earn. Yeah. 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 And they said, no, but we just love you. We want to see you ride your bike. And it's the same. Like when God has a gift for you or when people have words for you or affirmation, it doesn't even have to be receiving from the Lord. It's receiving from people, love, gifts, even like shoes. (laughs) Yeah. 
what? Like, just receive it. And the Lord wants to give you the desires of your heart. Yeah. He planted them there. Yeah. And I think one thing that just keeps coming to mind is that rejection hurts so much because we were actually made to be loved. Mm-hmm. Like, I it's think, unnatural. Yeah. It's unnatural to not feel love because God literally made us to receive love. He, he saw the world and he's like, I want to put people in the world so that I can love them. Like mm-hmm. he literally made us to just receive love. So when we feel void of love, it's like something is literally missing because that's our whole premise and our whole purpose is to be here and to be loved mm-hmm. and to love God. So I think like in in the act of rejecting before we can be rejected, it's actually detrimental to who you are because you're like, I'm actually putting my hand out and stopping something that I was made to receive. Wow. And it's I'm like, keeping me from my destiny. Yeah. And I can't blame anyone else. Exactly. Like if we put our arm out and keep people at arm's length because we're like, oh, well, if they, if they see me, they're not going to really love me. Well, sometimes they may not like you, but that's okay. But there are people in the world that do love you and there are people that who do see you for who you are and they love your quirks and they love who you are. And that's right. something that I've had to learn to do. Oh, I went to this really cool car ride with a friend and I literally turned to her and said, Taylor, what do you love about yourself? Mm-hmm. And it sounded so like, <laughs> it sounds obnoxious in a way, but we just spent like an hour of our car ride just talking about what we loved about ourselves. And I'm like, I love that I'm a faithful friend. I love that I love laughing. I love that I love laughing at my own jokes. Like right. all these things and actually learning to like love myself, which then allowed other people to love me and mm-hmm. allows God to love me. Mm-hmm. So I think it also starts with self-love. Mm-hmm. And that's something that we did at school in a class. Um, it was called um, Loving Yourself Well. And one of the exercises we had to do was write a list of 30 things that you love about your personality that doesn't involve anyone else. And also stand in the mirror and write 30 things you love about your body. Amazing. Huge. Hello, women. <laughs> Hurts. Hurts. I remember sitting there going, what? Like, I don't love my thighs. <laughs> oh, my gosh. But, like, actually, like, challenging, going, God gave me this body. Right. And even though it may not be the perfect body, it's the body I have right now. And I want to love it, whether it's chunkier than what it can be or I'm at my prime, whatever prime is, <laughs> honestly. But, like, even if that's something you need to do, like, sit down and go, what are 30 things that I love about myself mm-hmm. without anyone else included? Like, so it's not like, I love I love the fact that I love loving Rachel well. No, no, no. What are 30 things you love about yourself? Like, I love that I'm tender-hearted. I love that I'm strong, but I'm also soft. And like actually, and without anyone else included, because that way, in the moments that you encounter someone that doesn't necessarily understand you well, you can then go back to, well, I know who I am. I love who I am because God made me this way. Mm-hmm. And it also enables you to receive love. It enables you to just be who you are. Because I found that I got way funnier when I was just more comfortable in my own shoes. You are hilarious. Yeah, I am hilarious. Yes. <laughs> I love that about you. Do you love that about you? I love that about me. I think it's just like my humor is quirky. It's weird. Not everyone will like it, but it's me. Yeah. And I don't need to fit myself into other people's mold. No. And I could see that as rejection or I could just see it as we're different and that's okay. Yeah. But I think that in learning that um, – not loving myself and not receiving God's love, it meant that I didn't know how to receive love from people and I read everything as rejection. Like, I almost envision it as a 
um, a pair of glasses. Mm-hmm. Like I put in the glasses of rejection and everything was filtered. Yeah. So if someone didn't say hi to me, oh my gosh, they hate me. Right. As opposed to they just didn't say hi to me and it's okay. They, yeah, they're on a mission. Yeah. yeah. Take off your shades of rejection and put on the shades of love and just receive. That's all I can it's really so say. Simple. <laughs> One more story and then I have a random question to ask yes. you. So I was listening to a podcast yesterday by Chris Ballatin, which we've mentioned him a lot, but basically mm-hmm. he's an amazing man who is leadership is in leadership at Bethel. He also started Moral Revolution, which is yes, also else. started Moral Revolution. Yeah, we can link that in the show notes too. But I was actually listening to one of his podcasts, and he's told a story um, about having a group of people, and he had this um, this barrel of flags that they usually keep at the front of the stage, so people can you know worship freely and do what they want to do. But he had this barrel of flags, and there was um, red flags, blue flags, and yellow flags. And he held up the barrel, and he said, "Okay, count how many red flags there are." And people counted, and there were six, right? Mm. And he said, "Now close your eyes." And everyone closed their eyes, and he said, "How many yellow flags were there?" And everyone was like, uh, <laughs> didn't count that. I said, exactly. Because you saw what you wanted to see. Wow. So like, you're not going to be aware of what your mind's not fixed on. And if your mind's fixed on Christ and the things above, and you're captivating totally. the thoughts that don't belong there, yep. then you're going to be focused on the good things and the positive things and the places of where the kingdom is showing up on earth. Yeah. But if you're focused on the negative and the rejection and what might be wrong about you or the fact you don't have a thigh gap or X, Y, Z, you're going to find all the other flags. Yeah. Yeah. Of, and you're not going to see the good. And so fixing your mind on things above. Yeah. So important. And it's amazing. Like even like the places that we facilitate and how we think, even how we see ourselves in certain rooms. This is a fun testimony. Even in your room, Rach, remember that? Yes. So Rach, I was going to a wedding in Reading. I know it rhymes. Everyone says it. Wedding but, and Reading. Um, I went to a wedding in Reading and I came to Rachel's to try on some clothes. And I was just trying on some dresses to try and work out what I could wear. And I walked out and I'm like, Rach, this sounds really weird. But do you love yourself when you like look in the mirror? Like, do you love your body? Just like, yeah, I've never really struggled with it before. And I'm like, yeah, I could actually feel it in the room. And that wow. sounds so weird. But like, I looked in the mirror and because Rachel has fostered such a beautiful place of loving herself in this You're room. So sweet. Honestly, because she fostered a beautiful place of loving herself in this room, I could actually feel the love for myself in the room. Wow. And I was telling another friend of mine who I work with, it's just like, oh my gosh, that explains dressing rooms. Yeah. Hello. Why? I, I don't know anyone that loves what they look like in a dressing room. Yeah. Like, and it's just this self-hate kind of atmosphere where they go in and people like body pick and critique, like critique and just hate certain parts of their body instead of actually going, you know what, I love you body right now. Right. I'm not going to reject myself in this room right now. And it's just, it's so interesting, like side note testimony, but I think it's just to say that how you love yourself actually can affect others without you even realizing. Yes, hello. Whether it's like emotional, physical, spiritual, anything. G. Yes. You're amazing. Thanks. <laughs> I feel like there's so many tangents. We I'm need sorry. to know what <laughs> tangents. Okay, I think it honestly all comes back to full circle rejection. Yeah. And without rejecting yourself mm. or rejecting the love people have or rejecting anything that might be coming your way that's a gift or a blessing. Mm. And just loving yourself yeah. affects your community. It affects your relationship with the Lord. Totally. It affects how quickly or whatever the Lord has you get to your destiny. Like, I mean, it just comes back down to and boils to, like, feel loved, be loved, regardless of what people yeah. may be doing or not doing. And give love. And give love. Like, Easy. it's what Jesus taught us to do. Just love. Just love. I think just encountering the person of love himself, which is Jesus, can change everything. 
So good. Well, I hate even doing this because it seems so unnatural, but I'm going to switch gears. <laughs> Great. <laughs> and I want to hear the things that you're loving. Actually, it's not switching gears. It's still about love. Hello. Yeah. But okay. What are you loving these days? Um, like things that you're reading, things that you're doing or using, watching, like what's something you would want people to know back home that might not already know about mm. what you're loving in life? Um, I'm loving reading different books. Um, Which ones? So I read um, Bread and Wine by Shona Nyqui. She's one of my favorite authors. Yes. Mostly because she's just authentic and she just tells stories, beautiful storyteller, and also is passionate about hospitality, the table. Um, her book, Present Over Perfect, changed my life. I'm almost done. Yes. <laughs> I got to borrow G's book. Honestly, I hit burnout um, back in 2016 and that book literally changed my life because she just talks about um, laying your life on the altar of ministry and what that can look like and how that can affect your everyday life. So I love her as an author. Um, I think I'm like, like I said earlier, I'm loving just like fiddling with watercolors. As much as I struggle with a fear of rejection, I also have struggled with a massive fear of failure. Okay. So I haven't liked picking up things I'm not sure I'm good at, okay. such as watercolor. Whenever I've tried it, just I always try and make it look too rustic and it mm -hmm. ends up looking like a blob. Wait, so, I want to see some of <laughs> I only just like started fiddling today and I just wrote like a pretty typography and just gave it to someone. I was like, hey, you can have this. Gee, we are so blessed to have had you. Thanks. I think the Australian <laughs> definitely mixed it up. Yeah. Added a little bit of diversity, but at the same time, like oh, this material, this content is something that I think can reach anyone in any circumstance, any season, any age, like you name it. Mm. I think we all have a tendency of the unnatural of rejecting. Yeah. So I'm so thankful for you and everything you shared. Thank you. <laughs> I'm so glad that you all got to meet my friend G and hear everything she has to say about loving ourselves well, being loved by God, and then loving others. She is so powerful. And so are all of our stories. I can't wait to use what I learned in this conversation and apply them to the relationships that I have going on in my life. And I hope that you do the same. I hope you're leaving this conversation feeling encouraged and super empowered to reject rejection, love yourself well, fully feel loved by God to your whole self, but then also being able to overflow that love onto others. We mentioned a lot of things in this episode that I promised to include in our show notes. You can find all of our show notes and tons of other fun things at BehindTheBlissPodcast.com. We'll share the speakers and the books that we mentioned, the songs that were quoted, and tons more. We also included a few pictures of G and her watercolors, and other fun things you might want to know about her and her life. Mary Scott and I are so thankful for all of the kind words that we've been able to read and receive through texts, DMs, emails, voicemails, you name it. We are feeling so loved and encouraged and super propelled by you and the community around this podcast. A lot of times people ask us how they can help. Here's the first way. We would love for you to leave a review on iTunes. Not only does this add to all of the fun things we're able to read about the podcast and what it's doing in your life, but it also helps our podcast rank on iTunes and be found by people who might not have ever heard of it before, so that they might also feel encouraged by a conversation or an episode. We would love for you to take a few seconds, head over to iTunes, and leave us a fun review. The second way you can help us is simply just share the podcast with a friend. If a podcast episode reminds you of a friend or something that they might want to hear in this season of life, you can simply share it through the Apple Podcast app. Whichever way that you want to help, just know that we're so grateful that you're so invested. It means the world to us. Thank you so much for being here and for listening. We are so honored to have you a part of this with us. See you next week.